At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. You can fool a bear's ears, and you can fool their eyes, but you're not going to fool their nose. If a bear is comfortable, it's going to be kind of noisy. It's going to be grunting and tearing into things and not really caring if it's making a bunch of noise until, like I say, lots of times I'll hear them well before I see them. And sometimes people will say, well, yeah, you know, you, you, shoot the, you shoot the mom or you shoot the dad, and look what you did to that family. Well, they don't realize if the male bear is going to go in there and kill the cubs, eat the cubs, and then, you know, have their way with the mom. I'll carry a cow call with me, and, uh, ew. And I'd actually called in bear just doing that, just being noisy, sounding like an elk. I decided to release kind of a predator calling app. It's called the Ultimate Predator Call. I've already had people send me photos of coyotes and stuff that they've called in with it. And they're like, oh, you eat you eat bear? A lot of them were surprised, and I think a lot of them were kind of rethinking their idea about bear hunting. This is Douglas Bowes, author of The Ultimate Guide to Black Bear Hunting, and you're listening to Living Country in the City. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode 84 of Living Country in the City. Before we get started, as always, I want to say a huge thank you to Sawyer Products for being continual sponsors of the podcast. As I've mentioned through the last several podcasts, I have been using Sawyer products throughout this hunting season, and let me tell you, it has been bulletproof. From their insect repellent to the sunscreen and water filtration, I have used just about everything in their lineup, and let me tell you, you can't go wrong with any of it. It's designed for the outdoorsman and mine sunscreens and insect repellents that are scent-free and work fantastic. Uh... The Sawyer Mini is lightweight water filtration, and their gravity filters are running through water faster than I can drink it practically. So make sure you all check them out at Sawyer.com. Check out the lineup. Pick up some of their products. It's definitely worth a look. Now getting on to today's episode, I am back in California, and one of the things I've been really excited about coming back for is bear hunting up here in Northern California, specifically black bear. I've had tags for the past three years, I think, and I have yet to really even go on a hunt, let alone fill one. But I wanted to get some really good inside information on black bear hunting. So I went to the master himself, author of The Ultimate Guide to Black Bear Hunting, Mr. Douglas Bowes. Uh, I'm going to apologize, though. Uh, I was playing with a little bit of a new setup, and my internet connection got funky at some points. So there's three or four spots right in the middle where the sound cuts out. Unfortunately, there's nothing I could do about it. Was not able to get that audio back. Um, so you guys will have to bear with me. I apologize. But otherwise, enjoy the episode with Doug Bose. Awesome. Well, Doug, thank you so much for hopping on the line with me today. No, my pleasure. Uh, great to great to finally speak with you. I have enjoyed your podcast. <laughs> it's very good to have you listening. Um, I it's kind of funny. I'm always a little bit surprised whenever I I see somebody post they listen to it. You know, it's like I see the numbers, kind of the download numbers come in, and uh, you know those are super faceless. But when people that you know, I'm just meeting or, or whatever, tell me they listen. I always kind of, it's always a nice little ego boost. So <laughs> no, no, you, you put on a great podcast and the, you know, the message that you're sending out is a good message too, because you know, you're just starting out hunting, you have this interest in hunting and that alone interests me to be able to kind of encourage other people who might not have grown up hunting or, you know, want to hunt, but don't know how to get into it. 
I think that's a great message you're putting on, and I'm I'm proud to help you support that. Awesome. Well, let's uh, get started talking a little bit about you. How did you get your start in in kind of hunting in the outdoors? Well, I kind of got it as a kid. Um, I, I grew up hunting with my grandpa pretty much uh, on my mom's side. He would take me out. Uh, my dad was a single dad for a while. So he was busy working, supporting uh, three kids and, and didn't have real a lot of time to take us out. So my grandpa took us out. So I grew up kind of blacktail hunting out in uh, the Pacific Northwest with, uh, you know, like my brother hand-me-down boots that were three sizes too big and a rifle that I <laughs> was scared of. And I'd go out and get soaked wearing, you know, cotton Levi jeans and we go back to the Bronco and, and have hot coffee and drink Coke and um, just kind of uh, didn't have a lot of luck. And I'm sure I kind of uh, foiled my uncle's hunts and my grandpa's hunts a couple of times by stumbling around and falling down. And, but I just kind of grew up doing it. Um, and then in like my mid twenties, I kind of got out of it. My grandpa passed away when I was uh, 20, 21. And he was like my hunting partner. And then when he passed away, I just kind of got out of it. Um, but then as time kind of went on, I, I went back to it um, more. And then, you know, in the, my, my late 20s, early 30s, I got much more into it again. So, yeah, I, I just kind of grew up with it uh, through family and then kind of solo. And then now it's back to hunting again with my family and my brothers. Now that my dad's older and uh, semi-retired, he has a lot more time. So then we can all kind of go out as families and friends and, uh, and chase animals the, the way it should be. Awesome. Well, you know, I, I found out about uh, you and your book from the Cody Rich podcast. Um, I was listening to that. And, you know, you are, I guess, would it be fair to say you are best known for your books? I would say probably best known for my books. And that's not saying a whole lot. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I'd get recognized down the street. And I, I hope I never do. But um uh, yeah, I, I guess for the books, um, you know, I, I've been called like a bear expert and this and that, but even like, even in my books, I'll deny being a bear expert. Like I like to hunt bear and I like to talk about hunting bear and try to teach people how to do it. But you know, in all reality, I'm just like many of your listeners to where I just like to hunt, but I want to help people become better hunters and, and learn how to hunt black bear and, and other animals and stuff like that. So you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm no Steve Ranella, but I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like I said, I listened to that Cody Rich podcast, and I think I think I was honestly either in the car on a road trip or something, and I immediately I had my Kindle with me, and so you know, of course, I wouldn't do anything like this because it would be dangerous while driving, but. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, if I had so chosen to, I would have hopped immediately on Amazon and purchased the download for my Kindle so I could have the book on hand. But yeah, I started uh, I started reading the book and because I've always been interested in in hunting black bears. Um, I remember I think I've mentioned it way back on the podcast before. uh one of the first one of the first things I remember when I first was looking into hunting way back before I'd ever even touched a bow, I was uh, looking at how to get a hunting license because I was going to go, I was looking at going bird hunting with some family and friends. And I remember I was looking at all the different seasons and I, I remember seeing an archery bear season. And I thought to myself, oh man, that's insane. There's actually people that go out and hunt bears with bows. <laughs> um and then, you know, you know, fast forward several, you know, six, seven years into the future, um, I'm looking at this, I'm like, oh man, you know, when can I plan my next hunt? And I've just, yeah. I've just been obsessed with hunting bears. And now that I'm back in Northern California, you know, we have an incredible, uh, black bear population up here. And so I knew, you know, especially after going through the book and I will, I will confess, I have not been able to finish it yet. Every time I get back to it, uh, work suddenly explodes. But, you know, now that I'm back up here, I'm like, I know exactly who I need to have on the podcast because I've got, uh, I've got several months left of bear hunting up here and I want to definitely make the most of it. So nice. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, uh, uh, you know, I think your listeners will will probably appreciate the book too. Like, 
the big thing for me, when I, when I first wrote my first book, which was self-published, and it was called No Bait, Just Bears, um, Black Bear Hunting Tactics, and so I wanted to get more into bear hunting, but everything, all the books that I read and every bit of information, mostly I found online was, you know, about baiting or hunting bears with hounds. And I'm, I'm all for that. I have nothing against it, but in my state, I can't use bait and I can't use hounds. Sounds and familiar. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. California, you're well aware of that situation. And so, um, you know, I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll figure out how to hunt these things and then I'll just kind of regurgitate it and, and try to help people with that knowledge. And so that's kind of what I did. It was a lot of trial and error and, and reading online. And, um, and so then I condensed kind of all that information and put it out in my second book, uh, the ultimate guide to black bear hunting. And, um, I, you know, just kind of put that out there for people who are in the same situation, like you and myself, who or who maybe, you know, want a different challenge who have, who have, baited bear and want to try something different or who don't have access to hounds or can't use them. So, um, that was kind of why I wrote the book. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I remember not too long ago, I was talking with a buddy and I'm like, you know, elk hunting, I, I'm obsessed with elk hunting. I, I'm super passionate about it. And I feel like there's a lot of super consolidated resources around elk hunting and even to a slightly lesser extent, deer hunting to where you can go to, one place and get like the whole picture from start to finish on elk hunting or on deer hunting. And it's, it's very, you know, it's the, the guide, it's the encyclopedia, it's elk 101, whatever it is. But I was complaining. I'm like, you know, I don't have that with bears. You know, the information, I feel like there's a lot of information out there, but there's no, you know, I want, I want my black bear 101 course. And yeah, Going through this book, I feel like you really start to uh, start to lay that out, and it's it's very much appreciated. And it's it's very understandable. Uh, it's it's not. I feel like you don't have to be an expert hunter to really understand the concepts you're talking about in the book, which is fantastic. I I tried to keep it simple. I call it redneck folksy. It's just kind of uh, <laughs> simple to understand. And like, like I'm not a biologist. All right. If you want a biology book about bears, you know, you're, you got the wrong book, but if you want to learn how to hunt them, you know, I think this is the right book, especially if you're just starting out. Um, I'll definitely point you in the right direction. So now talking a little bit more about bears. So say, you know, you got me, I got my California bear tag here. Um, and I'm like, awesome. I want to, I've got all this public land around me up here in Northern California. I want to go find me a black bear. I have n- no idea <laughs> where to even start looking. Like what's, you know, how does someone start into that? Just that initial, uh, from that initial desire to, you know, you've got your license, got your tags, you know, bow in hand. Now, now where do I look? <laughs> You want to find, so like with bears, I always tell people, man, you want to find their food source and that food source changes throughout the year. So like in the spring, they're after, you know, green grasses and, and up where I live, they're stripping trees for the cambium layer. Um, you know, they might be looking for wild onion patches in the spring or, or skunk cabbage. And then as the summer progresses, um, you know, you start to get berries. And so then you want to look for like blackberries and, and rose hips, any sort of food source in, in your state, in your area that they're going to be eating on. And then now, like with fall setting in, um, and the food sources are kind of going away. I, I definitely switch my focus from finding the remaining patches of blackberries or, or whatever food sources in your area to predator calling. And so, I don't know if in the state of California you can use electronic calls, but I'm pretty sure you can still use uh, hand calls, mouth calls for bear. Mm-hmm. I would check your legs, but that would be definitely my focus. But first and foremost, you want to scout. You just want to look for bear sign, and you want to learn how to um, tell the difference between a coyote scat or bear scat, that type of thing. So just get familiar with it. And, you know, whether or not you have the book, you can always check online, and there's like, you know, all the information you want as far as bear scat goes or coyote scat, cougar scat, all the different types of signs. Um, if you dig deep enough, you can find that. And so you just want to scout. You want to look for um, cool areas like brushy draws, uh, creek bottoms, 
especially in, you know, in hotter regions, you put on a black coat and you start walking around in that heat, you know, you're going to get pretty hot and bears, bears get hot just like you and me. So they, they head out in the shade and they hang out in brushy draws and creeks and stuff like that to stay cool. Um, and so those are the areas you kind of want to check. And then once you start finding sign of bear, um, whether it be fresh scat or, you know, scratches on trees or peels or whatever it might be digging into stumps, uh, then you just want to focus, you know, Hey, there's bear sign in this area and, and there could be bear. So I just need to check it out in the mornings and the evenings. Um, you know, you can find bear kind of all throughout the day. And as uh, the later the season gets, the more active they are looking for food. But I usually personally, I focus in the morning and I focus on the evening, um, to, to find bear. Uh, and so really it's just, it's scouting. It's looking for bear habitat with a food source nearby. Uh, that's, that's the biggest thing. And now you could say that for anything. You could say that for deer or elk, but you know, deer can eat grass or shrubs or whatever from anywhere. It seems bear are, are fairly specific on the food sources for that time of year. Um, so they're kind of more condensed, like, you know, in the spring, they're going to be on slopes that are greening up first and foremost. They're going to be focusing more on that where the new growth is. And then, you know, in the summer, they're going to be hitting those berry patches or apple trees, you know, old homesteads, that type of thing. Uh, but then as fall kind of progresses, they kind of disperse more. Um, but, you know, there are times of the year where they're focused. And I don't think necessarily other than mating and stuff like that, I don't think deer are really um, all that focused in a particular, you know, single couple hundred yard spot. A bear sometimes will hang out in a three, four or 500 yard area and eat that food source until it's gone and then move on. So, I mean, there's, there's real good opportunity for people who know what to look for to be able to focus on specific areas to find bear and to be able to hunt them. Do you, uh, now, do you have a preference uh, as far as, you know, we're limited here in California, but for other places, do you have a preference? Do you prefer hunting spring bear, uh, summer, fall? Uh, personally, I love it all. Um, but, <laughs> but, but like up here, so in, in Washington, it's a special draw. Um, and so you got to put in for like a lottery tag, basically. Um, and if, if I don't draw that tag, I draw every three, four years, usually if I get lucky. But even if I don't draw, I'm still out there kind of looking. It's just spring. Springtime is such a cool hunt for bear because it's just a different. It's a different time of year compared to the fall. You know, everything's greening up. You can go shed hunting. Um, there's a different food source. The bear are you know, fresh out of the, fresh out of the den, and they have a nice coat. It's just a great time to to be out in the woods. Whether or not I'm hunting with my camera or a rifle or a bow, it's it's still a great time to look for bear. <laughs> um, but for me, my favorite time to hunt is actually just about right now. Um, it's, it's the end of September, beginning of October. This is kind of my favorite time. The hides are starting to get primed for winter. Um, they're getting nice and fat. The food sources are starting to dwindle. So you can kind of focus on the remaining patches of, you know, like blueberries up in the Alpines or whatever remains in your area. Um, and really focus on that. And that, that concentration of food helps me focus my attention as to where I think the bear are going to be. And it makes hunting a little bit easier. Now, by the end of October, it's going to be more difficult, at least in my region, because the food sources are, you know, it's starting to dissipate and scatter. And then, so once that happens, the bear do the same thing. And so that's why like this, this time, September, end of September, middle October for these couple of weeks, that's definitely my favorite time. Nice. Well, that, uh, I think that bodes well for me hunting over the next month or so. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, now's the time. Like for me, if life wasn't so busy, I would be out there right now, but you know, I've got things going on with family and friends and et cetera and so forth. But, uh, yeah, now is definitely the time to be out looking for bear. I will definitely, uh, I think I know what I'm going to be doing this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, when you talk about scouting, do you tend to, uh, you head out, you know, you're, you're walking around, you're looking for that sign, you're looking for those food sources. Do you, uh, when you locate an area that looks promising, do you tend to set up trail cams? Do you sit and uh, glass it? Do you just kind of cover, uh, cover ground around that area and see what you can see? I, I don't set up trail cams anymore. I used to, um, 
And fair warning for those who do, bear seem to love trail cans. They'll lick it and, you know, dance in front of it and attack it and, and twist it off a tree and carry it away. And and uh, bear really like trail cans. And I don't know if it's just your scent or what, or if they're just curious, but it's kind of fun to watch. Um, I don't put them up in my area anymore just because we have such a problem with people stealing them or whatever. I don't want to spend, you know, a couple hundred bucks and have it walk off. Mm-hmm. So I just... I don't mess with trail cams, but, uh, once I do find sign, um, now keep in mind when I say sign, I mean, even like older signs. So if, if you're walking, if you're walking a trail and you find like grassy bear scat, um, from the spring, let's say, you know, that there was a bear there in the spring. So that's a good, a good, uh, uh, point of interest for you to remember, Hey, at least there was bear here in the spring. Now I can come back, you know, next year and maybe check out bear in the area. Maybe the food source has changed from then, but at least there's sign from the spring. And then, uh, so once I find sign, um, say fresh sign, um, I'll just kind of meander about and look for what are they eating? What's in the scat? Is it berries? You know, is it, is it grassy? Um, if it's grass, where's good grass growing? Um, if it's, if it has seeds in it, what, what type of seeds are these? Where are they coming from? Try, try to find that food source. Uh, and then I'll, I'll look for, you know, as fresh a sign as I can find. If I'm not seeing a bunch of fresh scat, um, because normally that, that's what you'll find. Uh, as far as bear sign goes, scat to me is like the number one thing that you find. You'll find prints in mud now and again. And so then, um, you know, if I'm just scouting, I'll, I'll, I'll look around and I'll glass what I can, just glass open areas, um, edges, you know, bear don't like to leave cover that much. So really watch brush edges, tree lines, that type of stuff in the early mornings and evenings. They'll pop in and out of there. It's, it's a safety thing. I, I don't know if it's comfort or what, but, you know, when, when a bear gets shot, they head straight for cover, um, you know, thick, nasty cover. And they just, they seem not to like to leave that area. They don't like to leave more than a couple hundred yards from thick cover. So, you know, I, I don't really look for a very fresh clear cut. I won't even... Half the time, I won't even bother looking at it. I'll look for, you know, a clear cut that's got brush at least waist high, even even worse, um, and just try to stop and listen and, and glass. Um, most of the time, I hear bear long before I ever see him. You know, I, I might glass across a canyon or something like that, but if I find a good brushy area or a place that holds promise, if a bear is comfortable, it's going to be kind of noisy. It's going to be grunting and tearing into things and not really caring if it's making a bunch of noise. And so, like I say, lots of times I'll hear them well before I see them. Uh, and then I can kind of focus my vision on that's where that sound's coming from. And then, you know, you'll catch a glimpse of the bear. Um, a key point for, for fresh bear hunters. When I first started, I would think, man, I, you know, bears are big. I'm going to see like a whole bear, you know, no problem. It's going to be huge. But in reality, bear, they don't stand up too big under, you know, in the brush. The brush kind of covers them up. So most of the time when you see bear, you see pieces of them. You see their paw come up out of the brush and grab berries, or, you know, you'll just see bits of black or the reddish, you know, cinnamon phase, that type of stuff. So be prepared to to see bits of the animal, but make sure that, you know, it is a bear, not a person, not a deer, not an elk. <laughs> Don't just brush shoot, but yeah, uh, bits of bear are what uh, I spot lots of times. So I've heard... I've heard people say a lot of times that that hunting bear is really similar to hunting pig and that they they don't see so well, they don't hear so well, but they could smell like the dickens. Is that true? I would definitely agree with that. So, you know, you can you can fool a bear's ears and you can fool their eyes, but you're not going to fool their nose. So, wind plays a very very key uh crucial point when when you're hunting for bear. You know, lots of if I if I'm going through the brush or something, and I know I'm going to be noisy, and either I'm trying to put a stock on a bear, or I'm just going through and and trying to get from point A to point B, I'll carry a cow call with me, and uh, you know, I'll, if I'm making noise, I'll do that. And I've actually called in bear just doing that, just being noisy, sounding like an elk. I've had bear come right into that, um, so I've I've fooled their ears, uh, and bear. When they're eating, they're, they're fairly distracted, so lots of times you can kind of walk right up on them if their head's down and, and they're focused on that food. Uh, and so I have fooled their eyes a little bit. Um, sometimes I'll wear like a camo, it's like a burlap sack, 
almost like a poncho. I'll cut a hole in the center and throw it down my, throw it over my head, and it kind of covers my whole body, and it blocks the the gap in between my legs when I stand up straight. So when I'm standing there, it doesn't look like a human standing there. As far as the gap in between your legs, it just kind of looks like a blob. Huh. And I I think that's kind of key too because I've had elk even wonder what the heck I am, and I've walked you know right up to elk lots of times wearing that thing. Um, but boy, as soon as that wind shifts and they smell you, I mean, most of the time they're off and running. So you talked a little bit, you know, you'd kind of mentioned that before when you're talking and you mentioned it again here, uh, talking about calling in bears. Yes. Uh, predator calling, if anyone's listened to any of the previous podcasts or read the books, anything like that, they know that uh, predator calling is kind of a passion of mine. It's really a, it's a hidden gem as far as uh, bear hunting goes, in my opinion. Uh, Randy Anderson kind of got me into it uh, with calling all coyotes and then Wayne Carlton with his uh, They Come to Eat video. Um, and that was just something I had to get into after watching Wayne Carlton's video. Um, so there's nothing like predator calling, whether it be with electronic calls or, or a mouth call sound like a wounded animal or a scenario of a coyote tearing apart a, a rabbit, something to that effect. And then having a bear come in. Um, so even where I hunt, lots of times it's not conducive for me to, to go through this really thick jungle like brush, uh, and try to put a stock on a bear or, um, you know, I know there's that bear to come to you. Um, you know, your, your sound can travel a lot far, farther than, uh, your legs could in, in that short amount of time. So, for example, when I was hunting up in Alaska a couple of years ago for black bear, there was this beautiful hill. I was kind of tucked in this, and the hill in front of me was super thick willows and, you know, like 10 feet tall, but there was little gaps of, you know, no growth and just, just grass in that area. And I thought, well, I'm never going to put a, going to be too noisy and too thick. And, you know, I have no chance. So my hope is that I'm going to predator, predator call and have something come down. And so I started predator calling and sure enough, like a bear popped out within five minutes in that opening and then just started walking down. I, I walked, uh, I think it was 11 or 13 bear within like two days. I predator called in like wow. right up to me. Um, it's a lot the, easier the on the knees. The, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, oh, definitely. And like the, the cover of the book, the ultimate guide, that's actually a bear that I shot seconds before that picture was taken. Uh, that was one of three that were coming in all at the same time. And they, I, I'm not talking like a sow and, and two cubs. I'm talking three mature bears running in at me at the same time. That one was shot about 20 yards, maybe. So predator calling is just a great, a great tool for those who are interested in it. And I, I can guarantee you, like once you get a bear coming in, slobbering and like coming in to kill you, uh, <laughs> you're, you're going to be hooked. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. Well, I mean, I think, I think that's one of the weird attractions of bear hunting, predator hunting in general, but I think especially bear hunting compared to other big game hunting in that it's, I don't know, there's something about hunting something that could just as easily be hunting you. Oh, definitely. I completely agree. And that's, that's half the allure for me too. You know, like, a deer is not going to circle around and then try to scare you with his antlers, but a black bear very well might, you know, you might be predator calling and it's going to circle around. It might try to jump you. I mean, that does happen. I've had, I've had bear sneak up right behind me and I never saw him. Um, but my, my partner saw him, you know, just to my right, it was just at the right angle to where I couldn't see the bear. So definitely that, that allure. Now, most of the time, you know, bear are going to take off running once they figure out what you are, but there's always that chance that they won't. Um, and that, that to me is just a lot of fun. Um, and, and there's something about like, once you shoot a bear and it goes into the brush, say, say it didn't die right away, but it goes into the brush and then, and then it dies or, you know, it, it might be wounded or something like that. That's a real serious gut check as far as, Hey, I got to go in now to this brush and get this bear with, my rifle or my bow or my pistol and, you know, retrieve it. And that's, that's going to be your responsibility as a hunter. If you don't drop it right away, uh, to go in there and find that bear, put that effort forth. I, I shot a bear a couple of years ago. Well, uh, probably eight, nine years ago now, 10, but anyway, I hit it in the heart <laughs> and the thing still ran 20, 30 yards in the brush, like solid, solid blackberries. But it, I mean, it's heart was gone. 
but it still had the adrenaline to go and run those 20, 30 yards. But I had to go in there and I had to retrieve that bear. And it's, you know, that can be a serious situation if it's not done right. So, man, yeah, I'd, that ta- that has to take a lot of nerve uh, sometimes to, you know, you you see a bear run off into some some thick brush. It's definitely not happy, especially <laughs> you know if you happen to not have made the best shot on it. Um, and and even if you do, like I mean, you might you might hit it, break its shoulder, or you know, hit it in its lungs or something. And I mean, even deer hunter, bow hunters, they know this with archery. You you using an arrow through a through a deer double lunge, it might still run 30, 40 yards. You know what I mean? But most mm-hmm. of the time it might be out in the open or, you know, somewhere. A deer is not going to really turn on you and kick the hell out of you. But a bear, you know, if you double lunge it um, or you think you double lunge it and you didn't, you know, it could, it could easily turn on you if you're not careful. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Have you had any, uh, any experiences when you've come up on a, a, a bear uh, where it's, it's laid out and it's not quite finished yet or... Um, so no, but a bear did charge me, did three false charges. So basically I was bear hunting one day and I, I was hiking up this hill and I came around a corner and I hear huffing and puffing and I kind of looked to my right and, uh, a bear stood up in the blackberry bushes and then is popping its jaws and huffing at me and gets down and charges and then stands up. And this all happens like within just a few seconds and then, uh, huffs and puffs charges again. And it's, you know, just a 30 yards maybe. And then on its third charge, it just come flying in. And I ended up shooting it kind of in the chest and dropped it. And uh, there was no cubs or nothing. I think just I surprised it. It surprised me, and it didn't end well for the bear. But anyway, I went up to start working on the bear, and I, I rolled it over, and I was looking at it. And then uh, I got it kind of in position. And then the thing moved unexpectedly, like it just, the weight shifted or something. And man, I just about jumped out of my skin <laughs> because I, I thought it kind of came back and, oh man, I about just jumped right out of my skin, scared me. Um, but, uh, no, most of the, most of the time when I'm after a bear, it's, it's a done deal. Um, yeah. <laughs> On that note, let's take a quick second so we can hear a word from one of my partners. Alright y'all, I'm not afraid to admit that I'm a huge geek when it comes to games, and well, let's face it, a lot of other things too. However, when it comes to nerdy card and board games, I really can't get enough. So when I found out there was a card game out there combining two of my passions, hunting and nerdy adventure games, I really had to pick it up. The game is called Gut Pile, and the goal is to build the ultimate Alaskan hunt. You do so by collecting several cards including animals such as grizzly bear and moose, hunting locations like Yonder Mountain and Nunya Creek, as well as weaponry, gear, and transportation. But make sure you've got tags or donuts handy because you never know when an Alaskan state trooper will drop in unannounced. It's a great game and a ton of fun for hunters who are inspired to share stories about their past hunts, as well as non-hunters who can be brought into discussions about hunting in a very non-threatening way. If you'd like to learn more, check out my podcast with the guys at Gut Pile Games by visiting livingcountryinthecity.com slash 22 and get $5 off your order from Gut Pile Games by visiting our partners page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash partners. Alrighty, we are back. Uh, um, so we were talking a little bit about uh, some some fun bear close calls and part of the, I guess, excitement that surrounds uh, surrounds bear hunting. I mean... I think we've all seen and heard plenty of stories uh, online and listening to podcasts and whatnot uh, about uh, all kinds of different exciting bear uh, bear encounters. I think who was it? Uh, was it like Ranella and Remy Warren that were hunting together when they? Or who was it that was hunting recently that ended up somebody got charged by a bear and ended up riding it halfway down a hill? Did you hear about that? <laughs> No, I missed that one. I was thinking you were going to bring up uh, Clay Newcomb's uh, bear, his archery hunt, where the bear like bumped his arrow. Have you seen that? Where it walks right into his blind? No, I haven't. So he's he's the owner of uh, Bear Hunting Magazine. You probably know him. And then he has a YouTube channel, and you can see that. It's a nice color face. And he has a traditional bow that he's hunting with, and the thing just comes right in like bumps his arrow. And he ends up shooting it eventually, but like 
that's pretty close. That's kind of insane. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible. He's got some pretty sweet stories. Yeah, no, I'll have to look that other one up. I can't. I can't remember who who all it was. I'm I'm blanking now. Uh, kind of a brain fart, but uh, I want to say it was like I think Ranella was involved and Remy Warren. There's a whole group of them, and I think. I feel like they got charged by a bear or something and it ended up kind of barreling through their group. And one of the guys ended up on its back kind of like bouncing down a hill with it on its back or something. It was, yeah. yeah. Now that you mentioned that, it does sound familiar. I think that was a Ranella story. Um, yeah. A couple of, I don't know, a couple of months back, I think I might've heard that. That yeah. does kind of ring a bell. I think it was this spring season, but I'll have to, I'll have to look that up and put, post a link to it if I can find it. But so out of curiosity, how many, uh, do you, do you keep track of, uh, how many, uh, bears you've harvested over the years? Um, you know, I was kind of trying to figure that out right before this podcast. I don't really keep track I would say it's plenty. <laughs> I mean, it's enough. not a huge amount, but but it's you know it, and and it's not necessarily uh, what you harvest to. It's it's calling them in. Like I've called them in um, for brothers, and you know I've missed a few and I've lost a couple, and I, I definitely have enough experience. That's for sure. I you know I I wouldn't say I have enough. I have as much as. Uh, uh, as Mr. Jim Shockey, I think he's got several <laughs> decades and uh, several tens of bears on me easily, probably maybe even a hundred more. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely have my fair share. Um, I don't even bother. I don't even bother rugging them out or anything anymore. I just kind of <laughs> get them tanned and then I throw them on my chair or on the on the floor as as carpet or whatever, you know. <laughs> Oh man, one of these days. Hopefully, hopefully this year I'll be uh, I'll be getting one tanned or rugged out. So this this could be your year, man. Like you got that deer, and now it's bear, and you know you could be sitting pretty. I'm I'm feeling good about it. I got I got a couple of couple of friends up here that are, are both really into black bear hunting too. So they might be able to point me in the right direction. So definitely. we will we will definitely see, but. Um, so I get uh, I've I've had this discussion with a few people recently. Um, you know, it came up when I when I first took my fox. The question was raised uh, just about predator hunting in general, and you know, I know uh, a lot of people um, you know go back and forth on whether or not bear is tasty meat, but even just the meat aside. Uh, what uh, what would you say to someone you know when if they were to confront you about uh, hunting bears and and saying that it's wrong and that it you know you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing this you know they understand I understand deer hunting you know it's it's for food and meat whatever but uh, bear hunting that's just evil. Uh, oh, the first thing I would ask is I I would say, well, do you do you think that we just shoot a bear and then take the hide and leave the rest? And a lot of them, most of them, will say. Yeah. And that's just a great misconception. Like uh, I, I did a couple of um, classes at Cabela's our local Cabela's on, on bear hunting and uh, book signing and stuff like that. And I had some people come up and they were talking to me about it. And I explained, well, yeah, you know, we take the hides, but we make breakfast sausage and hands and all this other stuff out of the, out of the meat. And they're like, Oh, you eat, you eat bear. I says, well, yeah, it's, it's against the law to shoot the thing and then waste the meat. Um, at least in my state. And, um, a lot of them were surprised, and I think a lot of them were kind of rethinking their idea about bear hunting. Um, so that would be the first question I would have. And then, you know, the second question would be, you know, do you think it's a it's a happy bear family? Like we got the sow and the cubs and the dad, and they're all just kind of hanging out. And sometimes people will say, well, yeah, you know, you you shoot the you shoot the mom or you shoot the dad, and look what you did to that family. Well, they don't realize that the male bear is going to go in there and kill the cubs, eat the cubs, and then you know have their way with the mom. <laughs> They they just don't understand it, and it's it's not their fault. It's the way that they were raised, or the movies that they watched, or the images that they're bombarded with. Um, you know, they don't understand that nature is cruel, and it's not it's not Disney, it's not Hollywood, it's not the way it's portrayed on on TV and in movies. Um, and then you know, thirdly, I would I would say the money, whether I'm successful or not on a hunt, 
is regardless. The money that I put forth to be able to have the chance to even hunt these animals um, goes toward game species and non-game species alike and their conservation efforts. Um, and I would challenge them. I would say, how much money have you put forth this year toward um, conservation efforts? Because I can guarantee you it's been several thousand for me. <laughs> and that's just in, that's just in tags. That doesn't include the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, you know, charity events that I attend, or the Mule Deer uh, Foundation, or NRA banquets, all that stuff. SCI. So you know, and I would encourage them if they're just if they're just a hiker or something like that. I would encourage them to to really look into Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation or or Western Bear Foundation and and, and learn about what as hunters we do and where our money goes. Um, it's not just the slaughter, you know, that we are, we don't want to just slaughter animals. We're not there to gratuitously kill animals. We're not there to hurt animals out of, out of resentment or hatred. Um, it's really just a respect and a love of nature, organic meat, that type of thing. It's, it's heritage. It's it's so much in the one that I think is missed by the non-hunting public that we really need to try to convey as best as we can. Um, so they understand our, our methods and our motives as to why we do what we do, both with predators and with ungulates. No, I mean, it's, it's really important. One thing I always try and remind people of is it, this, you know, you, you mention it kind of with the tags, but it's like, this is not just, Hey, look, I, you know, I want to go out at any time of the year and just shoot as many bears as I want or as many deer as I want. And I don't have to report to anyone or do anything or this or that. I'm like, I feel like that's what people think hunting is, that they're like, oh, or or even if they're like, okay, you know, you talk about hunting seasons. Well, okay, these six months, you're allowed to go out and shoot whatever you want and do it however you want with whatever weapon and this and that. And I start getting down into the nitty gritty and say, well, first and foremost, no, this is like highly, highly regulated. It's, you know, you can't just go out and do whatever you want. You've got a, you know, you can only go with a specific weapon in a very specific few weeks with, for this one specific animal in this specific subsection of the state. And you pay a lot of money to do that. And half of the time you don't even get a draw that year and, and start reminding them that all of this comes down to it's all, all of that regulation is managed by wildlife biologists who literally dedicate their entire lives to the betterment of these species, you know, not just one single species, but the betterment of, of the balance of wildlife. So whether that's bear, elk, coyotes, uh, you know, wolves, whatever those species are, you know, they dedicate their lives to that balance of nature. No, definitely. And, and, um, you know, I would also challenge those who, who only specifically hunt deer or those who specifically hunt elk to consider hunting predators just to help the ungulate population bear do a number on calf uh, elk, baby elk, so the calves and the moose calves and the deer fawns, their mortality, they can really wipe out, you know, a lot, a lot of those newborns. Um, that's a prime food source and that's just bear being bear. I don't hold it against them, but we, if we're going to regulate one, we need to regulate the other. Um, you know, it's, it's with, with as many people as we have nowadays, it's, it, a lot of anti-hunters, they think if you just leave things alone, they'll regulate themselves, but it's not, it's not that way anymore. It's sad to say, but I mean, man is everywhere and we, those animals need to be regulated. Yeah. And that includes, that includes predators for sure. No, it's very, very important. We are way too far past the point of nature being in balance. We've, we as humans have thrown it, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm not planning on giving up living in a house anytime soon. Um, but, you know, we as humans have pretty much irreparably thrown off that balance, you know, with stuff we've done decades ago. Not because of anyone alive nowadays, really, but um, it, it's our job to ensure that the survival of what we have left and the, not just the survival, but, you know, the thriving of what we have left. And I would also bring up the point, too, like, 
you know, my goal as a, as a bear hunter is to harvest a mature boar. Um, and, you know, by doing so, if I harvest a mature boar, I might have saved a couple of, of uh, bear cubs in the process, not to including, not including the, the fawns and the calves in the area. Um, but, you know, if you can harvest that mature boar, that keeps him from, from eating some of those cubs. <laughs> and that in turn kind of helps the population. It just kind of helps, you know, it helps the, the population as a whole. So, you know, our, our goal is to sustain the population, to help it thrive, to help it be maintained. It's not to dwindle it down to nothing. That is the last thing that any hunter that I know of uh, wants for any species. They, they don't want coyotes eradicated. They don't want bear eradicated. They, they want to be able to hunt those things, but still maintain a healthy balance. And so that's, that's key. No, absolutely. So if, uh, if you were to kind of maybe distill a few top level tips for, uh, a beginner black bear hunter, maybe three or four kind of just important things to keep in mind, uh, for someone is they're kind of ready to getting ready for, or going out on their first, uh, first bear hunts. What, what might some of that stuff be? Um, study shot placement. So a lot of people don't realize that a bear's anatomy is a little bit different than say a deer's anatomy and even their fur. So for example, with deer, a deer's fur coat is real kind of tight to the skin and you can see their muscles. It's very streamlined. It's like a tight t-shirt. Whereas with a, with a bear, you're looking at somebody with a big fuzzy, you know, heavy winter coat on and you don't really see the outline of his muscles. And that can throw off your shot placement. Um, just that, you know, three, four inches of fur on a bear, um, you might misplace your shot. So really study where to place a shot on a bear to make it lethal and make it quick, because that's what we all want. And trust me, you don't want to go into the brush after a wounded bear anyway, so you want to <laughs> drop that thing as quickly as possible. So that's, that's tip number one. Tip number two would be, you know, to study the food sources in your state, in your area, what are they hitting that particular type of year? And you can talk to biologists, game wardens, um, check online at your local hunting forums. You know, there's, there's a plethora of information. Check out my books um, on, on where to find and, and what they're eating that type of year or that time of year. So that would be point number two. Uh, point number three would be if you do hit a bear and you're not finding a lot of blood, don't give up right away. Um, bear fat kind of tends to plug those entrance and exit wounds kind of quick. So lots of times bear won't necessarily bleed a lot compared to say a deer or an elk. So don't give up. Um, really put in the effort to exhaust all avenues to make sure that that bear either walked away and is alive and fine, or, you know, you just can't find it after a good day or two or three of looking. Um, just really put in your effort and realize that bear are kind of like ticks. They're going to go in the worst little crevices and under logs and stuff to hide out, you know, really just take your time and your effort. You might have to be on your hands and knees. You, you probably want to bring some leather gloves. Most of the time it's, you know, thorny, stickery, nasty places they go to. Um, so that would be tip three. Uh, and tip four would be don't get frustrated. The more you're out there, the higher the chance you're going to find a bear. So if you go out for a season and you don't see one, don't get frustrated. Just learn from, you know, your mistakes and you've got to know the territory and maybe try a new spot, read more up on it, but just, just don't give up. Um, you know, once you get into it, once you start seeing bear, you'll start to realize, Hey, this area looks bearish to me. It looks like it holds bear. Um, you, you'll start to be able to spot those areas. And then once you start to spot those areas, spotting bear becomes easier and easier and easier and you'll get better and better at it. Uh, so those are kind of my four tips, I guess. No, those are, those are absolutely great. Thanks for uh, a new bear hunter to keep in mind. I mean, uh, I mean, generally that's some great stuff for any hunter, regardless of animal to keep in mind. Um, yeah. but, uh, that actually brought up a, a, another question and, you know, I'm sure this is something that, you know, you ask 10 different people, you get 10 different answers, but what, uh, you know, if someone's think uh, setting up their gear, whether they're, uh, uh, maybe if they're archery hunting and then if they're rifle hunting, what, uh, 
would you what would you prefer as far as archery? Do you prefer mechanical or fixed blade for bear? Obviously, you know, regulations, state regulations allowing. Right. Uh, personally, I prefer fixed blade. And, and you know, like you said, you ask 10 different people, you're going to get 10 different answers. And, and not to say I'm against mechanicals. Um, in, in our state, we're just able to use mechanicals uh, within the last, I don't know, three, four, five years. Um, so most of my experience has been with fixed blade, and that might be why I stick with it. But to me, if, if it's a fixed blade, if it's solid, that's less of the chance of something kind of going wrong in the shot. Um, so me personally, I like fixed blades. And uh, do you also, I, I don't think I've asked this or not, uh, do you also rifle hunt at all for bear? I do. So I rifle hunt, I'll pistol hunt, uh, bow hunt. Um, about the only thing I don't do for bear is, is muzzle loader. I don't have one. Um, so I'm not going to pretend that I know what I'm talking about when it comes to <laughs> muzzle loaders. Um, but yeah, so I, I do rifle hunt. I, I actually hunt with, uh, what I affectionately call the mule. It's a 300 Winchester short Magnum Tika T3. So it, it, it kicks and that's why I call it the mule. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's plenty gun for black bear. You know, if, it, uh, people, in fact, I got a question on this today on Instagram. Somebody had messaged me and says, hey, you know, I'm looking for a gun for bear. Um, I have this one for deer. Is that good enough? And, it, you know, like if you, have a, if you have a gun for a whitetail or a mule deer, it's really likely that that's going to be more than enough for black bear. Um, like a 270, you know, is perfect for deer. And it, to me, it's perfect for bear. Um, it's, it's really about shot placement in my opinion, not necessarily knockdown power. You just want to know if you double lung something with a 270, it's not going to make much of a difference. If you double lung it with a 300, like it's double lunged, it's going to die. That's all there is to it. <laughs> and so like shot placement's key. Yeah. I think, I think people also tend to forget, especially with black bears, they're not giant animals. I mean, no, they've got some good size to them, but I mean, they're, I've seen some dogs that, that <laughs> would uh would almost uh match in size a lot of black bears that are out there so oh no yeah my first bear i it was it was a, a large lab for sure like <laughs> when i shot it i thought oh man you know that thing was huge and i walked up to it and i'm like holy crap did i you know where's mom at like and but you know it wasn't a cub it was a full-grown female but it just it wasn't that big and that that was that was a part of my learning curve um, about bears to realize that not every bear is 300, 400, 500 pounds. You know, a lot of them are 150, 250. Um, so yeah, I've heard, definitely. I've heard a lot of people talking about their bear hunts, whether it's on podcasts or Instagram or whatever, the, uh, the sudden size realization when you walk up on the bear, when you're, you know, whatever it is, you know, 70, 100 yards, well, you know, whatever you're shooting, you're a decent distance away. <laughs> Always it's looks ground, about 10 times bigger than when you walk up to it. Yeah, they call they call that ground shrinkage. <laughs> so my, I, I have a nephew, his name's Johnny, and he's, he was probably, I don't know, eight or nine at the time. Don't quote me on it. But it was a couple of years ago on my other brother, John, he ended up shooting a bear and he, I was with him and we packed it out. And when we first started looking at it, we were thinking it was, a decent sized bear, but he shot it and it was an average sized bear. It was full grown. I think it was uh, like 11 years old or something like that, but it was like a 150, 200 pound bear, which was fine because we were seven miles back. Anyway, getting back <laughs> to Johnny, my nephew, my, my brother Johnny showed Johnny the nephew the bear and he goes, It's just a kid. Why'd you shoot the kid? He thought for sure it was just a cub, you know, and in oh, reality, it was, it was a full grown bear, but yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, ground shrinkage is, is a common mistake. Um, even experienced bear hunters sometimes have to deal with um, being able to judge a bear, which I talk about in the book, but being able to judge a bear accurately is is a, uh, a challenge for experienced bear hunters well, and, and, and novice alike. And that's something, you know, I've always, I've I've read up and studied up and watched a lot of videos and listened to a lot of podcasts about is, even just judging a boar from a sow is uh, often a rather difficult proposition because it's it's not you're not looking at a set of antlers you're not looking at oh you know boars are white and sows are brown you know <laughs> it's, yeah 
you know, and, that, and that's that's a good a good benefit for baiting. So you know, when you bait, you have the chance to watch a bear for five, ten, fifteen minutes while it's sitting there eating, and you can you can really judge the size and maturity. Does that bear have cubs? That type of thing. So that's you know that's a real positive point for people who are arguing in the defense of bear baiting. You know, if an anti comes up to you and is yelling at you about bear baiting, you can explain to them, hey, you know, that's a good reason why we want to keep that around to to ensure that we're only taking mature mature boars and not sows with cubs and stuff like that. Yeah, because I mean it's difficult because you're you're basically what you're looking at the. The shoulders, you're looking at the the width between the ears, the shape of the head, the sag of the belly a little bit. I mean... Yeah, like, and, and you know, boars, they'll have blocky heads, kind of short snouts. They got that muscle crease down the center of the head, kind of shorter ears on the sides. That's why you call them pumpkin heads. You know, they're broad-shouldered. They kind of walk around like they own the place because they kind of do. <laughs> you know, and, and females kind of have the bigger butts, longer snouts. You know, they're a little more narrow. So, um, and, you know, that's another good point for, for beginning bear hunters um, and even medium-skilled uh, bear hunters. Take the time to watch just random YouTube videos of bear online and try to judge for yourself, hey, you know, is that a bear, or excuse me, is that a, is that a boar, is that a sow? And really just kind of get to know the differences between boars and sows and color phase bears. You know, not all black bears are black. The very first bear that I shot was a cinnamon color phase black bear. Um, so there are, you know, a lot of differences, uh, in, in color. And so, you know, if you're in a grizzly area, you want to make sure, and you probably have a test in that state to pass before you hunt black bear, but you want to make sure that you're hunting, you know, you're shooting a black bear and not a grizzly. So make sure and pay attention to the different physical characteristics of both of those species as well. Absolutely. Uh, so one last uh, one last question here. Since you know you are so passionate about bear hunting, you know you're probably when you're out on other hunts, you're probably a little more hyper aware than most people about bear. But what uh, what steps do you take, whether you're out hiking, hunting bear, or hunting something else? Um, what are your kind of bear safety tips? Um, kind of avoid situations that are going to cause you to get jumped is, is my biggest thing. So like, uh, recently I went to Alaska and I was a hundred miles from any road. I was dropped off, um, out by myself and I was hunting moose and it was a windy day. It was the first day I was able to hunt. And so I was following this game trail and it was, a you know, basically a road, but it wasn't, it was a game trail. It was real windy and it was brush either side, you know, kind of up to my chest kind of some blind corners and I stumbled upon a grizzly track and it was maybe like a hundred yards from where I was camping. And I thought, you know what? I'm by myself. This is a bad idea. And it wasn't because I was necessarily scared of seeing a grizzly track, but it was a bad situation to where you hear about people getting mauled um, because it was windy, because they're not making noise, because the bear was surprised. And on this trail where it was so thick Um, I could have easily came around a blind corner and found a bear, you know, protecting a kill or had cubs or just flat out surprised it. And, you know, then I get mauled and I got to wait a couple days before anyone checks in on me. So basically I just kind of backed out and I hung out where I knew it was kind of better visibility and stuff like that. Um, So avoiding those situations, I think is, is kind of key. If you're just out hiking and you're not worried about hunting, you know, you want to make noise and, and, and if you do end up seeing a bear, don't run and scream and, and don't run, don't scream, but, you know, kind of group up, um, make noise, get the bear kind of away. But if you have people with you, group up, that type of thing. As far as food storage and stuff, when I go backpacking for deer, um, I'll try to keep my food in, in sealed containers as best as possible. I'll, I'll take any garbage that I have that if it has food residue on it and I'll keep it out of my tent, away from the campsite. But I rarely find myself, and then they tell you to do this, but I rarely find myself tying my food up 15 feet in a tree. Um, where, I, where I deer hunt, there are grizzly, but they're very few and far between. So that's not a huge concern of mine. Um, so yeah, just kind of common sense. Keep, keep food, blood, uh, game meat, that type of stuff, away from where you sleep and away from camp. Um, 
tie it up in trees if you can, and just, just be aware of your surroundings. And 99.9% of the time, if a bear sees you or smells you, that thing's running the other way most of the time. Hmm. It's that time that it doesn't that you got to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I say that, and last year, deer hunting, uh, backpacked in a couple miles, and it just turned dusk. And the wind was blowing, you know, at my back down this, down this um, kind of a prairie, little open field. And I, I thought I was hearing stuff, but I couldn't tell because uh, it was windy. And, and then I thought I'm seeing spots. And I thought, man, am I, am I seeing the black spot? What is this? And the thing kind of floated in the field, which was kind of, kind of white, you know, kind of a lighter color field. And it stops, and then it floats again. And I'm thinking, man, that spot ain't floating. You know, something's walking toward me. And so... I basically just picked up my rifle. I had it right next to me. And basically what happened was a black bear walked to about seven, eight feet in front of me, 10 feet maybe, and just kind of lifted its head. But the wind was blowing right at it. And I know it smelled me, but it was just, it acted really weird. So I just popped a round off in between me and the bear because it was already dark. Um, and then it ran off. But, you know, that's kind of a prime example of uh, black bear can be unpredictable sometimes. So what it should have done was smelled me and ran off, but it didn't do that. So yeah, there are, there are times where that will happen, but just keep your head and keep cool and scare the bear off. As long as you uh, keep your wits about you and act in a calm, collected manner, you should probably be fine. Nothing to be frightened of. That's right. Well, but so like if a black bear does attack you, it's predatory and it's trying to kill and eat you. So fight. Um, grizzlies, when they attack, most of the time it's, they're just trying to incapacitate you. So just try to lay dead, play dead as best you can. Uh, don't fight a grizz, just play dead. That's your <laughs> best bet. But yeah, fight black bear. Don't fight grizz. Yeah. There you go. There's another tip yeah. for you. That's right. <laughs> well, I, so if people wanted to find you online, on Instagram, on social media, where, where are they looking? You can find me on Instagram. It's Bows and Bears. So my last name, Bows, B-O-Z-E, and Bears, B-E-A-R-S. Um, that's my Instagram call sign, I guess you would say. And then um, I'm on Facebook. It's just my actual name, Douglas Bows. Um, but mostly, you know, to keep in contact with me, just on Instagram. Um, my Hotmail account, too, for anybody who wants to get a hold of me, has questions about bear hunting, anything like that. Bows and Bears at Hotmail.com. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's about it. And if folks wanted to find the books, where are they looking? Um, bo- books are available online, uh, anywhere online, or at, at certain Cabela's. So like Amazon, Walmart, Barnes & Noble online. Cabela's in the Pacific Northwest have them. Uh, some Barnes & Nobles. Um, if you're going to get my first book, so I would advise just getting the second book, The Ultimate Guide to Black Bear Hunting. My first book, like I say, was self-published. Um, but my second book, which was commissioned by a publisher, um, contains all the information of the first one and then more. So I always just advise people, hey, you know, save yourself some money and get the second book. It's, it's a lot more thorough. So, yeah, online. Awesome. Now, you also, in addition to the books, uh, you also released an app recently, correct? Yeah, I, um, I used to be in video games, believe it or not. I was a producer for several years and got to travel the world and hang out and do crazy things like that. And so um, I decided to release kind of a predator calling app. It's called the Ultimate Predator Calls. Uh, it's available for iPhone and Android. And um, it's like the price of a latte. It's about five bucks. It's free to download. Um, and you can try all the tunes for 15 seconds. But to get the full version, it's five bucks. Um, and what it is, is it's actually me being recorded predator calling. Uh, and so they're, they're actual sets and there's like a repeat button. You can change the backgrounds. Um, you can silence it uh, and it's Bluetooth enabled. So you can use like any Bluetooth speaker from your phone, uh, and just kind of have a, a cheap version of an electronic collar. If you don't want to go out and spend three, four or $500 on, on an electronic collar, give this one a shot for five bucks. Uh, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I've already had people send me photos of coyotes and stuff that they've called in with it. Um, I know that I've personally called in coyotes and bobcats and bears, so I'm sure like my recordings more than likely work. I don't know why they wouldn't. Um, but yeah, so it, that's on there. I'm probably going to release, you might, maybe down the road I might do some more calling sets and whatnot, but it comes with, I believe, 12 sets, and they're anywhere from like 25, 30 seconds up to a couple minutes. Um, the big thing for me was I didn't want to release 
predator calls that are just like kind of a constant loop, which is a, a lot of electronic calls are kind of that way. I always feel like if I can hear the loop, the animals can too. So that's why I kind of made longer sets. So yeah, and that's on the App Store or in Google Play. You can find it. That's awesome. I'll make sure to uh, link to all the socials and whatnot, as well as those app download links on the show notes page. Uh, I will list that up at the end of the show. Um, so as we're uh, winding down here, I always like to finish up, you know, if somebody came up to you, you know, maybe they're from the city, maybe they just haven't been raised kind of in a hunting environment and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in getting into hunting, getting into the outdoors, but... You know, there's a lot to learn. I'm feeling a bit intimidated. What uh, words of wisdom would you give that person? Well, with with the invention of the Internet, man, the entire knowledge of humankind is available at fingertips. So just take your time and, and really spend time on the Internet, in books, that type of thing. Research what you want to hunt, how to clean an animal, what to do um, with an animal, once you get it down, shot placement, all that stuff, but take the time to learn about it, but then just get out there and do it. You know, don't, no matter how much time you spend reading books or sitting in a chair online, reading about stuff, you're going to learn so much more by just going out and, and doing it yourself. And don't be afraid to fail. Um, I fail way more than I am successful when it comes to hunting. (laughs) Um, you know, for me getting out hunting, isn't necessarily about the success of it. It's about enjoying the entire experience about, you know, seeing sunrises and sunsets and seeing the animals, all different types, you know, from, from what we're hunting to what we're not. Um, so just get out there and enjoy it. And once you are successful, it'll make it all that much sweeter to know that you took the time and you earned that animal. It wasn't something that you bought at a store. You know, you actually went out there and physically earned it. You sweat over it. You failed. You know, you 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 shed its blood. It might have shed yours. So <laughs> you'll just learn a greater appreciation for what you're eating and what you're doing when you become a full-fledged hunter. And I think you can probably vouch for that, man, on, on your first deer. Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, like, I, I think I mentioned it on, on kind of my recap podcast is, I don't think I will ever be as proud of a deer as I am of that one. You know, I could, I could shoot some Boone and Crockett buck and I will be immensely proud of that and, and, and super happy about it, you know, someday in the future, but nothing will ever quite compare to that, uh, very first deer after, like you said, (laughs) shedding a lot of blood, sweat and tears over it. Yeah. And you know, whatever it is that you get, be proud of what you got. I'm personally, I'm just as proud as a cow elk that I shot as I am about any other deer or or moose or bear or anything else that I shot. You know, it's, it's having the ability to be able to provide for my family in a way that isn't around as much as it should be. Um, so just, and encourage others to come with you, you know, if they're curious about it, um, you really try to spread the word on hunting and, and, and get it out there so that others can enjoy it and we can and we can continue this legacy for a long time. Well, Doug, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, hopping on the show with me today. I'm glad uh, we were able to finally link up. Yes, sir. It was uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Sam. I appreciate it. All right, y'all, that'll do it for episode 84 of Living Country in the City. Want to say a big thank you again to Doug for hopping on the call and sharing some info about black bear hunting with us. Make sure y'all check out the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 84 and get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. If y'all are enjoying the podcast and want to help out, make sure you head on over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a quick rating and review. Really helps the podcast visibility and helps me grow. But in the meantime... Keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. 